Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. I have been embracing the tri life for the last 10 days or so, enjoying the sunshine, wind and relentless hills of Lanzarote. I joined the primed coaching and podium fit triathlon camp at Sands Beach for a week and then my mum joined me on Friday for the past few days. It has been so good to be away and although my fitness is not where it was this time last year, I thoroughly enjoyed being part of the camp last week. I know I joked in recent episodes of the podcast that I wasn't sure how I would hold up on the hills or if I'd be dropped before we even left the hotel, never mind climb the first hill on the bike, but I was in a super group led by patient Paddy McLaughlin who made sure that no one was left behind. Some days I felt like I had conquered the world by the time I got in off the bike battling the wind, embracing the hills, all whilst having fun. There was such a great sense of camaraderie, support and plenty of encouragement, regardless of your level of ability, that no matter what you had achieved on the day, it was all respected and acknowledged by the group. Add in the nudge from Oliver on the lunch stop for me to go for a brick run off the bike on most days. And sure, I thought I was ready to take on an Ironman after a 70k bike and a 3k run, I most certainly am in no fit shape to take on an Ironman, but maybe a sprint or Olympic distance race this year is closer to being on the cards than it was two weeks ago. What's more important though is that I have definitely found my triathlon mojo again and I have surprised myself by how much I have enjoyed being challenged to push outside my comfort zone every day that I have been here. I have loved being immersed in triathlon this past week, surrounded by people who are continuing to chase their dreams and goals in sport. Getting to hear stories of achievement and success from the people in the group last week was very inspiring and very motivating. Oliver and Paddy have something very special going on with their camp. It hits all the right notes and tone for the athletes with big goals or chasing podiums to those who just want to embrace the tri-life and simply enjoy the sport and get fitter and stronger for their season ahead. I would have no hesitation in joining the camp again and hope I will get the opportunity to do so in the future. Now that the camp is over and everyone's gone home, I've continued to enjoy some swim, bike and run, although I gave my bike back on Monday and so it's run and swim until Thursday, then back to Ireland for another busy weekend ahead on the microphone with Gymnastics Ireland at the Indoor Arena. It is almost time to get back to reality, but in the meantime, be sure to check out the Try Talking Sports socials for some competitions this week. I will have race entries for the Great Ireland Run on April 16th and entries for the Wexford Half and 10K on April 23rd up for grabs this week and also have some discounts to share on a number of events too, so be sure to give us a follow. And of course, speaking of discounts, don't forget you can get 15% discount on all Newestand products online using the code TTS15. Be sure to check out their products on www.newestand.com. I have been lashing on the CBD muscle gel on my legs all week. It is simply amazing. I received a lovely review of the podcast last week. Thanks so much to the kind listener for taking the time to submit it. If you are a fan of the podcast, a positive review would make my day. So if you get a chance, I'd be very grateful for a review as we continue to try to inspire, motivate and encourage you to follow your own passion for sport. I hadn't planned to release an episode of the podcast this week, but after spending so much time with Paddy last week and every so often hearing nuggets of some of the events and races he had competed in, I couldn't resist the opportunity to cajole and, if I'm honest, slightly pressurise him into coming onto the show. The humble Donegal man of PodiumFit.ie has embraced a life in triathlon and sport as both his profession and his passion. 
working in sport and fitness for over 20 years with a variety of qualifications. He's a level three coach, a physical therapist, a bike fit and a geobiomized qualified bike fitter and an athlete who has tackled some of the toughest triathlon races in the world. Not shy of taking on a challenging race, he has completed multiple extreme events, including the Keltman on three occasions. He finished with a black jersey in the Norseman and has also taken part in the brutal extreme triathlons. Paddy has completed over 20 full-distance triathlons, including multiple Ironman events, was the winner of the Irish Double Ironman in 2013, and as well as completing four marathons in four days around the Inishone Peninsula in Donegal, he took part in the first edition of the Race Around Ireland in 2009. Sport has been in his life from a young age, from karate, kickboxing and rugby to triathlon. He is passionate about sport, not only as an athlete himself, but in supporting his coached athletes achieve their goals and potential. It is no surprise that he was Triathlon Ireland Coach of the Year in 2015. Shying away from the spotlight generally, he is not afraid of pushing himself outside of his comfort zone when it comes to participating in sport himself or setting lofty goals and challenges that push him physically and mentally all the way to the finish line. This is another great episode of the podcast, so go ahead, grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Paddy McLaughlin, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. It is Wednesday in Lanzarote. We have run and swam today. We've cycled loads since the first day of the Primed Coaching and the Podium Fit.ie camp. And I took the opportunity after spending the last few days with you beside me on the bike to have a chat with you on the podcast because you're a dark horse, Paddy McLaughlin. A serious amount of sporting achievements to your name. And well, we're going to tell the listeners a little bit about you. So Paddy, are you having fun in Lanzarote is the first question. How are you, Joanne? Yeah, we're loving it. Yeah, we've been coming here now for 10 years, um, having a blast. Great that you joined us on the camp. Basically, the camps are for all abilities. So we've people here that are literally just getting into triathlon with people signed up for Ironman. People have done world championships, so caters for everybody. Yeah, we're halfway through the second camp, so um, having a blast. Yeah, it's good. Paddy, you told me uh, on Saturday afternoon that you were going to push me outside my comfort zone for this week, which you certainly have done, and then I'm returning the favour of pushing <laughs> you outside your comfort zone. Um, so you don't really like doing podcasts and things like this, so you are doing this a little bit under duress. Yeah, I, I like working in the background, uh, <laughs> keeping, keeping out of the way. So yeah, definitely. But I think it would be remiss of me if I didn't share um, with our listeners some of your story in sports. So how did you get into triathlon, first of all? I seen Pona, uh, Ironman World Championships, on TV somewhere. Uh, I thought that looked pretty cool. Um, and then when I got into my, my first job, I was a, a fitness instructor. The, the gym I worked in, the, my boss, she was a, an international swimmer and she did triathlon. So. She put a bet on with me that I the, that I couldn't beat her in a triathlon, so I, I did the triathlon. I absolutely sucked at it. I was the last person out of the water. Uh, she was first. She hammered me, uh, but I got addicted to the sport and I've been at it ever since. So when was that? That was back in 1999, was it? 1999, yeah. Uh, back at the Northwest Triathlon Club, uh, it was a like a club training race. Um, so despite being last out of the water and uh, getting beaten by your boss and losing the bet, you seem to have embraced a life in sport and a life in triathlon. Yeah, um, I was just got addicted to the sport and um, I've been at it ever since. So yeah, I did, would have done my first Ironman in probably 2006, I think, Ironman Frankfurt. So you've so, done about 20 Ironmans at this stage? I think the last count it was around 23 or something out there, yeah. 
give us some insight into some of the races that you've done. So I know you've done Ironman races, but then you've also done Keltman, Norseman, got the black jersey for the Norseman, which we discovered during the week as well on the bike. Yep. And you're also the champion of the double Ironman. Yeah, um, yeah. so I found out pretty quickly that that's, I'm not a, a, a fuel-injected engine, so um, I can go all day and I like challenging myself, so I would have veered more towards the the extreme events. So I would have done Norseman, done the Keltman three times, would have done the double Ironman, as you said, um, and sort of a lot of endurance, the race around Ireland, that kind of stuff. Like So I would have veered more towards the, the challenging events rather than the than the faster stuff. And before we start talking about some of the events that you've actually done, what were you like as a kid growing up? Were you big into sport as a kid or was it just something that you happened to do out in Donegal? Well, my background was sort of contact sports. So I would have done um, karate, kickboxing, rugby. So I would have done them for, for years. And then I would have been a, a gym bunny. So um, lifting a lot of weights and that kind of stuff. So um, way into endurance events was all by mistake or whatever like so as uh, when I got into running it was the, the, the leisure centre that I worked in they were running a, a relay for a half marathon so I was signed up to run three miles and on the day of the race two of the people didn't turn up oh, so I ended up having to run 10 miles and then when I got to 10 miles I thought I may as well just run and finish it off um, so that got me into the, the running side of things um, so yeah, uh, once I got involved in the endurance sport, it's just sort of... What is it about endurance sport that you love? You've made uh, a career out of it. Yeah, uh, I just love challenging myself and, and seeing what I can do and how far we can go. You did your first triathlon in 1999. You then went on and when did you do your first Ironman? Uh, 2006. So about seven years later then. So what were you doing in between? I just would have been doing sort of like the, the Olympic distance sprint races. Um, done a couple of half Ironman. So yeah, it just would have built me way up towards, back back then, Ironman was a lot smaller ordeal, so there wasn't as many races. It, it just took a, a bit of a bit of time to sort of work up towards Ironman distance. And and then say the Keltman and then the double Ironman, when did you do those? Um, Norseman I would have done probably 2012. So again, I would have been looking through Triathlon 220 and I always would have seen photographs of them jumping off the boat and for the Norseman and climbing the mountain. I thought, that looks class. So every I get an opportunity, I'm going to do it. So again, those races, you just can't enter. You have to apply. Um, you send in like a, a, a CV and then they tell you whether you're doing the, the, doing the race or not. I, I've applied for the Norseman once and the Keltman three times and I don't know whether I'm very lucky or... Or very unlucky. <laughs> or very unlucky. So I've got into... I've got onto the Keltman uh, three times and I got onto the, the, the Norseman uh, on first try. So, For the listeners who don't know what Keltman or Norseman is, tell us a little bit about both of the races. They're extreme triathlons, so um, basically it's an Ironman distance, but generally the, the swim is in fairly cold water. Uh, the bike is generally a lot more climbing than your average Ironman and the, the run is mainly off-road and it generally finishes with a, a mountaintop finish or a running over a mountain. Oh, holy God. Yeah. So no wonder you're flying up the hills like a mountain goat over here. Well, uh, I, I can go uphill all day, but coming down them is a different story, is it? Well, why the opposite? <laughs> I can't go up them, but I can come down them as the video showed during the week. The Norseman, a huge, uh, a huge achievement to finish the Norseman, never mind finish with the black jersey. What's the significance of the black jersey? Okay, so on the extreme events, 
they generally have a small field that are normally capped at about 250 entries. Um, but generally halfway through the run, there's a cutoff. Um, and if you don't make that cutoff, you, you do the, what they call a low option. And if you, if you get through the checkpoint, you do a high option. So uh, generally that high option is running over a mountain or um, getting, going to the mountaintop finish. By that, they, they distinguish, you get a black t-shirt if you go up the mountain in the Norseman or a blue t-shirt in the Keltman. Um, and if you don't, you, you do a low route, which you get a, a different color t-shirt then. So. In terms of a race tactic in the Norseman, are you going as hard as you can to make a cutoff within reason? Because obviously it's a really long day out. What was the, what was the sort of time for the Norseman? Do you remember? Overall or mm. for the checkpoint? Overall. Um, well, in the Norseman, it's the first 160 people get up the mountain the checkpoint just off the top of my head i just can't remember and the the kelp man it's there's a time limit so it's i think it's 11 and a half hours you have to be at the checkpoint to get over the mountain and that's the, the in the norseman uh you, you have to climb zombie hill to get to the checkpoint and it's a roughly about 30 kilometers into the race then you decide whether you're going up the mountain or not and the kelp man it's you still have you still have probably about 20 kilometres to go on the... And the Keltman is in Scotland, isn't it? Scotland, Highland, Scotland, yeah. Yeah, very cold. Yeah, the water's notoriously cold. A lot of jellyfish. Um, and the Keltman as well, too, would have... It's a it's a 200... It's over 200 kilometres on the bike as well, too, so... So slightly longer bike than slightly, the slightly full distance bike as well, race, yeah. yeah. Gosh, and what sort of training did you have to do for those extreme triathlons? We kind of know what training needs to be done for an Ironman, but when you look at the extreme stuff, or even the double Ironman, like for me, it seems like your training needs to be very tailored. Well, for the Norseman, the bike course uh, has got nearly 4,000 meters of climbing on the bike course. You would have been doing a lot of uh, hill work on the bike. The Keltman bike is flatter, but it's longer. Um, but the first part of the run is tougher. So definitely the race tactics change depending on the race. Um, but again, the, the, the double Ironman was a completely different kettle fish as well too, in a sense that we would have done Lanzarote Ironman as a taper race three weeks before the double Ironman. Sorry, what? <laughs> so we would have done, like it was the, the double Ironman was about three weeks after Ironman Lanzarote. So we would done Ironman Lanzarote as a... As like a B uh, race before yeah, training the... Race. Yeah, Myself oh, and wow. Shane McGill. Have to oh. get him mentioned in the podcast. Oh yeah, he'll be giving out that he wasn't on it, even though he did give me a lovely uh, race report for Kona that you can find on the on the Try Talking Sport website. Speaking of Lanzarote, you are racing Lanzarote again this year. How has the training gone for that and the other races that you have planned for 2023? Well, not great to be honest with you. I'm actually uh, I'm getting more benefit out of the training camps this year than, than the athletes because I'm just coming back from a year of sickness, so uh, I'm just getting back into fitness again. So I'm sort of using Lanzarote for as a stepping stone to hopefully get me ready for the rest of the year. So yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. It. So what's the rest of the year then? Well, I had a legacy slot for Kona um, for this October coming, and then obviously with the changes, that got transferred to 24. So I had a, a gap in my calendar, so I entered Ironman Cork and then um, Ironman offered me a, a, a slot for, for Nice, for the World Championships in Nice in September. So uh, still undecided whether I'm gonna do Cork and Nice or just one or the other. So. Well, you have done a Celtman, a Norseman, a double Ironman. I mean, it's, it's what, two, three, three weeks, weeks apart? Three weeks apart, yeah. 
three weeks apart. Not a bother. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed. And then, Paddy, you um, did you also do four marathons in four days? I come from Anishon, Donegal. Um, so basically, there's a there's a coastal path, 100 miles around. So they they, they run the Anishon Peninsula as four marathons in four days. Where does the motivation to do all of these extreme events come from? Well, way I would just see them as challenges. I've always been attracted to that side of things. I'm not I'm not a fast athlete like my my Ironman PB is eleven and a half hours like so. I, I just like the challenging races like so. You've been fighting an illness for the guts of a year. You're kind of getting your mojo back again for training and and um, for racing. But where does the motivation to get out of bed every day to go training come from? Well, I've always just been involved within in sport in one way or another. Um, so it just if I don't train or if I can't get training I'm always grumpy so as my wife keeps telling me like to, that, I, that I have to get go out into the gym or whatever or jump on Zwift for half an hour just to to, to not be grumpy around the kids <laughs> so but even like again like just from the coaching point of view like just every day you're talking to to athletes that are highly motivated so it just like they motivate you or motivate me in a, in a way as well too that I sort of I feel I, I need to be doing the exercise and that as well too so so it's sort of like I'm trying to motivate them and they're equally motivating e- you equally motivating me back as well too and so. I guess being a coach as well is like you're kind of leading by example as well you can't be asking people to do stuff that you wouldn't consider doing yourself yeah definitely um like I've always been a believer that, uh, as as what you said, like I wouldn't like every every training method that I that I be using is tried and tested. Um, I'd use myself as a guinea pig for a lot of stuff before I give it to my athletes. Like so, um, yeah. And you've quite a lot of qualifications across a number of areas. So it's not just personal fitness or strength and conditioning and the bike fit, obviously, as well, and all that stuff that you do. So let's move the conversation away from you and let's talk more for our listeners. Um, who might be interested in some aspects of the science-based things that you would be doing. What are the reasons why somebody would get a lactate test or get a professional bike fit? Okay, well, basically, the lactic, I sort of offer a VO2 metabolic and lactic testing. Um, and it's just, it, it takes the guesswork out of training. Um, so basically, we, we all know, we've all heard of training zones and everything, but a lot of people actually don't know where those zones are. What we do is we do the tests, we tell them exactly where their deflection points are for everything else and we set their power zones, their training zones, their heart rate zones and that kind of stuff from the the results that we get. So the training that they're doing is then beneficial, they're they're going to get the most bang for their buck out of their out of their training. Rather than just going into the pool and killing themselves for a thousand or fifteen hundred meters or going out flogging themselves on the bike or on the run that they're actually tailored towards their heart rate or their power abilities. Yeah what we generally find is like if people are working off their own feel they're 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 doing their easy stuff too hard and their their hard stuff not hard enough. So at least if we're giving them training zones and uh, setting zones for them like they know exactly what they should be hitting and, and so on. I hosted a webinar for Newisan last week all around um, bike fit and the importance yeah. of bike fit. So that's something that you do as well, which is hugely important. And, and even out here in Lanzarote, we saw some people didn't bring their saddles and there was some pinch points and some pressure points with the saddles that they weren't used to, which 
led to lots of uncomfortable situations for people when they were out on the hills? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I always laugh that people spend thousands of euro on, on bikes and equipment, but the, the, they just jump on the bike and then have numbness in their hands and everything else. So, like, a bike fit is, is a must in my eyes. Like, not just saying it because I'm a, a, a bike fitter, but just to get the comfort on the bike so they're they're in their most powerful position and everything else like it's um it's a must as far as i can and it's a small a fraction of a, of a price of of a of a bike yeah it can be the difference between enjoying your spin and being absolutely, in the yeah. horrors <laughs> yeah absolutely but yeah. not just your undercarriage but like everything as you say like the numbness in the hands the numbness in the feet neck sore everything yeah everything just down even from cleat position on the shoes um to um like we do pressure mapping on 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 the saddles and that kind of stuff just to take out the the hot spots on the, on the seat and everything like so um my background is in physical therapy and that kind of stuff so like when we're doing the bike fits as well too like we're sort of doing like a, a functional movement screen as well too so we're checking for muscle and movement movement dysfunction as well too so that they're positioned properly on the bike as well too for for their mobility and their Interesting. Else, so yeah. We've covered a couple of bits of what PodiumFit.ae does, um, but a major part of what you do is coaching. So how did you get into coaching in the first place? When I started triathlon, I would have joined Northwest Triathlon Club up in Derry. Um, and just as I got more involved in it, I liked the coaching sort of side of it. I would have applied for Triathlon Ireland for my level one course. And actually Oliver was, Oliver Harkin was the tutor. Um, so Oliver he tutored my level one and my level two courses. Basically, then once I, I got involved into the coaching, um, Oliver was then do, started up the training camps here, and then he needed help. He was asked, that how you actually got yeah, involved? Yeah, so he actually asked me to come on board then to sort of help him with the training camps, and then obviously just people knew I was doing triathlon and that kind of stuff. Anyway, so like the, then they would have asked for bits of advice and that kind of stuff. So. Um, I then sort of got back, uh, took on a couple of athletes on the coaching side of things, and then it's just built, yeah. built up since. And do you love it? Absolutely love it, yeah. Um, as we were just saying, saying to Oliver there uh, yesterday, like, like we're out here, like it's, what well, there's no better job I know. out here, like so. Um, but even even back home, like the, the the difference in the range of athletes that you would get, and the, the everyone has their own goals everyone has their like for some people even just finishing a 5k is a major achievement whereas um, coaching an athlete there Luke McCarn who's the Irish international elite um, completely opposite end of the scale coached deck Ironman uh, people that have ran from Mizzenhead to Malhead and so on so like from complete beginners to elite athletes it's just such an interesting job and I enjoy the challenge of sort of getting them to the finish line and reaching their targets. You're basically just like a, a big problem solver on how to, how to get, their, get them there in the best shape possible and so on. So You, you I, actually started smiling, Paddy, when you started talking about the athletes that you were coaching. I finally got a <laughs> smile. But, um, but yeah, like even there, like just as an example, some of the, some of the athletes that I have, like, like I have a 75-year-old mountain runner and like just... She's an absolute delight to work for. And like last year, I would have had a guy, a type 1 diabetic, who wanted to do Ironman Cork. So the, just getting him even to the start line, let alone the finish line, was just 
just the challenges that you meet just uh, absolutely love yeah and when around. you think back to like your days in school were you a good kid or were you bold uh, no I say it would have been well my mother probably tell you different but I would say um, I, I would say it was I was pretty okay were you nerd like um, not really um, I was wouldn't say so. Uh, it was all into Star Wars stuff and, and stuff they got there, but I wouldn't say it was it was a scholar by any means. <laughs> and apparently, you have a thing for bobbleheads. Uh, yeah, I have a collection of bobblehead uh, Star Wars bobbleheads across the dashboard of my van. Yeah, <laughs> we might not go into a discussion on those today now. Um, but when you think back to um, to like say when you were you know 15, 16, 17, you know what was your career path trajectory back then versus what you've managed to carve out as a career now? Basically, yeah, I've actually, what I wanted to do back then, it was a career in sport and sort of physiotherapy, something something in that there side. So I've, I've basically done both. Yeah, it's, it's so. great, isn't it? I mean, we're very fortunate. Not only yeah. are we in Lanzarote and, you know, the going gets tough at times in the heat and the hills and the wind. At times it is tough on the bike i mean there is no doubting about it like some of those hills if you're not fit it is just it's a hardship but you kind of you get to the top and you think oh my god i've just done this and aren't we so lucky to be here and then you kind of turn around and you go oh my god we actually get to do this for a job yeah uh, well if you you forgot to mention that you're singing has motivated most people to get up those hills <laughs> as well, so. i'm not sure there was too much singing there was more like huffing and puffing and breaking his zips on uh, on uh, on jerseys going up tabiesco yesterday but it, it kind of makes you take a step back and kind of look back and appreciate the privilege that we have to number one have a career in sport i'm certainly never going to have the ability to be a professional athlete but i've carved a niche in a in a great career for myself which affords me the opportunity to be out here with a fantastic group of people and, and yourself and oliver as coaches like you, you kind of have to take a step back and go wow yeah there's it, always it's a running joke in our house that daddy's going away to to lanzarote to to, to work air, air brackets um like yeah everyone just yeah working in lanzarote like but it actually, as you you can testify for me, it actually is hard work, but it's it is a very enjoyable yeah. uh, week out here. It's very rewarding, and you can see it on both yourself and Oliver how much you both get out of seeing the people on the camp achieve things they maybe didn't think they could. I know there's there's the fast lads, and and they're super fast, and they're pretty able to manage themselves but they still need a little bit of the support from the coaches oh, and, yeah. and that's there. And then say you have the likes of me who hasn't really trained for ages. I mean, my fitness from this time last year is on the floor and I really was worried about how I would get on across the swim bike and run. So I've ditched the early morning swim because it doesn't suit me. I need to do a bit of work and it's too cold in the pool without a wetsuit and I don't want to get a cold. But then going out on the bike, I thought like I wouldn't be able for the bike and then suddenly there's this sense of encouragement, sense of achievement. There's people at your level in the swim that are at your level in the bike that are a different level on the run. And even though it's a training camp for all of us, everyone is facilitated in training to their level. Yeah, for sure. Like, and uh, you definitely haven't given yourself enough justice because you were you're a lot stronger on the bike than you, than you said you were when you came over here. Um, but yeah, like everybody's divided up into groups. So like we've got three lanes of swimming um, for three different levels of ability. Um, the bike routes are broken up into two groups as well too for different levels of ability. All abilities are catered for, as you say, like for the for the guys that are 
racing trying to qualify for world championships or chasing national series to complete beginners yeah and and the fact then that we just come together like at breakfast or at dinner or yeah. for the huffing and puffing of the paddy stretch class which is happening in about 40 minutes time and um, but it is it is fabulous we were chatting the other day as well paddy and we were talking about when we first met and i think it was when you were the triathlon ireland leader for the uh world championships, world championships yeah. in london yeah i mean that's that's 10 years ago yeah isn't that insane yeah, that was a that was a brilliant weekend. Uh, that was our biggest. Um, like I would have worked for Trathlon for probably nearly ten years doing uh, age group team manager. So I would have done quite a lot of the world world and European championships in Holland and Rotterdam and London and everything. So, but but London was actually uh, well at that time it probably still is the biggest athlon. I think was was the European championship as well too. But. It was the biggest showing of Irish athletes abroad at a World Championships, and it was a brilliant weekend's crack. It was um, so much fun. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. It was actually, it was funny because in transition we had a small tent opposite Team GB, and all the Team GB athletes were coming over to us because there was like a party atmosphere in, in the Irish camp. Yeah. It, was, it was a brilliant, brilliant weekend. It was super. And uh, coming back to you now, Paddy, um, when you look back at all of your achievements in sport, what would you say are you most proud of? Um, probably, like, like in different sports, different things. Um, if I was to nail it down to one, it probably would have been the Norseman black shirt finish. But my brother and my father... Um, we're my support crew so there's a fantastic photograph of the three of us at the finish line um, all holding our arms up like so in celebration like but like that to me is probably the the, the biggest achievement so but, it's your proudest achievement or your biggest achievement uh, well proudest is probably not actually my own it's probably my athletes um, like I said, like uh, I've athletes that have done amazing things, like running from Mizzenhead to Malinhead, cycled from Malinhead to Mizzenhead non-stop in under 24 hours, finished a deck Ironman. So my proudest is probably not my own. Um, it's, it's from my athletes, I would say. And if you could race any race in the world, what would it be? If I could only do one race ever again, uh, it would be the Keltman. I would do the Keltman every year without fail. It's a fantastic race. Why does it stand out above any other race that you've done? It's just um, a challenging race. For me, running is probably my, my strongest point. So the, the Keltman run is just absolutely fantastic. The swim, we were talking about this yesterday on the bikes, about its start line atmosphere. We were talking about Ironman Wales. But the, the other one that stands out in my, in my head is the start line of the Keltman. Um, it's just absolutely fantastic. The the swim is Baltic cold. When you say Baltic, like what temperature? Well, is it? it's it's normally about 11, 11, 12 degrees. It's just jellyfish and festive. Um, I, I just love the Highlands of Scotland. Anyway, me, me uh, I have an uncle who, who lives in the Highlands or lived in the Highlands of Scotland. So as a family, we always would have holidayed in the Highlands of Scotland. So I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, just the, the, the Kelman run course is outstanding. You mentioned Kona earlier on. Yep. Big dream? Um, like everyone dreams of Kona. Uh, it probably, 
I can't remember which year. I, I seen it on TV. I can't remember exactly which year. So it, it always has been a dream. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I've got a legacy slot for next year. So yeah, um, plan is to, to go over there and get the, the tick the box. So. To conquer Kona. Yeah. I was told this morning by Oliver Harkin that you were not looking forward to having this chat with me today. And in fact, you would have, in a former life, been a bouncer in a club in Donegal and you were the ninja bouncer. So there's the big lads at the front door and you were the ninja bouncer that came in to sort out all the trouble. And you would have preferred to have had to sort out five lads in the nightclub in Donegal than to come talk at me. So I hope I didn't disappoint you and it wasn't too taxing. Well, actually, I, a very enjoyable chat. As I say, I, I was terrified coming on here. I, I, I like working in the background. I don't like being up front. Um, so yeah, very think, enjoyable chat. Thank I think we'll give you a gold star and I might even make you a cup of tea. Well, Paddy McLaughlin, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast for this uh, special episode from Lanzarote. Um, hopefully you don't uh, drop me on the hills too early tomorrow as a punishment for putting it on the <laughs> podcast. Well, well if, you, if you can put the camera away and stop taking selfies, we might, we might, allow, we might allow you into the group again. So. Everyone loves to have a selfie after they go up a big hill. <laughs> Thanks, Paddy. Thank you, Joanne. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. If you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and on Instagram. And if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please email me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling, and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Thank you.